welcome to another episode of Unleash Your Supernova Live. I'm your host, Nova Lorraine, and I'm here with my co-host and partner in crime, Ryan Esquire. And that's Ryan with an O, R-Y-O-N Esquire. And today we are going to talk about more ways than how you can increase your creativity and beat burnout. I am also the founder of Rain Magazine, the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network, and the Rain School of Fashion, Innovation, and Sustainability. And if you haven't tuned in before, I'm just going to let you know that this is the live companion show to the book, Unleash Your Supernova, available on Amazon and all major bookstores. It was just recently released, so get your copy if you haven't already and learn how you can not only increase creativity, beat burnout, but also tap into your inner brilliance. So let's get ready to start unleashing, y'all. And, oh, before I forget, if you happen to not catch us live, then please check out the podcast, Unleash Your Supernova. Okay, available on all major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Pick your favorite. It's there. Unleash Your Supernova, the podcast. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm good. You know, I, I'm good. I'm uh, looking forward to today's show. I know we're going to be diving into burnout in a little more detail and sharing some stories, or maybe not, And but also, most importantly, sharing how we can avoid burnout, and if we're in the midst of burnout, how we can recover from that. So I'm super excited to talk about that. But I also wanted to just share that this week has been a very weird week. I feel a little off kilter because I've been on the road most of the week and um, doing mainly mommy duty stuff. My daughter is a senior in high school and looking at colleges, and my son is just wrapping up his gymnastics competition season. So I had a college tour and I had regional championships this week for gymnastics. So (laughs) it's been Mm -hmm. a little like, okay, what day is it? And (laughs) between like the Easter holiday and college tours and gymnastics competitions, I'm, I'm just now feeling like I'm settling in and it's Friday. You know, I think that brings up an interesting topic because, uh, you know, especially with COVID, you know, mom staying home and then, you, and then, you know, I think a lot of probably females are thinking about starting, you know, their entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial journey. And you've obviously done this a while. So, like, what have, what's kind of been your thoughts, your experience, your tips as far as doing this journey with a kid, with family, right? Because, um, you know, like, you've done it for a long time and been successful at it. So, like what's kind of been your your lessons your lessons your words of wisdom regarding that? You know, it's definitely been a juggle. Um, the struggle of the juggle is real, <laughs> and I know my fellow. And if the kids are the balls, definitely... did you drop any of the balls ever? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't dropped the kids, thankfully. Okay. I haven't dropped the kids. Okay. Um, the juggle, yeah, it, it's been real, and thankfully, no kids have been <laughs> dropped. But I would say. Having been on this entrepreneurial journey um, from the very beginning as a mother, it's 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 been a challenge. And mm-hmm. in the beginning, it was really having 
an individual that I trust there to support me in terms of mm-hmm. giving time to the to the to the children that I wasn't able to give um, when they were yep. young. So my mom actually was a big part of that journey early early on for me, where she mm-hmm. was there during the day when I was in meetings, when I was at events, when I had to go into the city <laughs> and and purchase fabric for my upcoming collection. And she was the one that was there with my young toddlers and and infant. And so that was extremely helpful and beneficial. But then I also was proactive in dividing my time into personal time, career time, and then there's something else. It's like three categories. And really looking at how my family spending my time. Yeah, family time. Thank you. You're welcome. I was so, like, like, what would three buckets be? And I'm like, what was that third one? Personal. There's got to be a group in there somewhere. As we're talking about juggling parenthood. Yeah, juggling like, family. So, family. See, yep, that's what I'm telling yep. you. Burnout is real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I think, and this is, you know, before smartphones. So I had a, I had a written planner, a, you know, paper planner. And it was divided into my hours throughout the day and week. And that was, I'm telling you, it sounds old school. It sounds like a waste of time. It was so incredibly helpful because when you're writing it down, it's in your face, you're committing to it, you remember it more. And it did allow me to section off my day. So I wouldn't, you know, go 24 hours or whatever, 12, 18 hours of just work you know, and really pay attention to not just, you know, career time, work time, business time, and family time, but also me time. Because when you're running low, you know, um, it's really hard to give your best self to your business Uh or your job or your family. And Uh so I think that was an important element of my success in in the very beginning. I will say that I fell off of that habit and that then I, you know, I haven't thought about this in years, actually. So now going back when I was not using that, (laughs) thank you. When I was not using that system, it definitely accelerated that track to burnout much faster. So I would say that was something I did early on. I would say now in terms of balance, it's being intentional with my environment and making sure that the people that I'm spending the most time with the activities that I'm most spending the most time on and the, the information that I'm consuming the most all contribute to uh-huh. an upward growth and yep. a positive emotion and productive output. I think, again, yep. that was maybe something I did either accidentally or intuitively, but not necessarily uh-huh. intentionally. So I think yep. right now, that's been something that I've been very intentional on. And then also, as our kids get older, you're not, there's less structured activity between you and them. So you have yep. to be even more intentional. And in when you get that mommy me time. And yep. so creating like um, lunch dates with my daughter, for example, or mm-hmm. road trips, maybe, you know, with my, my kids or, um, you know, a spontaneous, hey, let's go on a drive, let's go to the park, you know, let's play volleyball, you know. So 
I think it's harder when you don't have, oh, you have to bring your child to soccer practice every day or you have to set up these play dates or you have mm-hmm. to go to these school, you know, um, activities that are structured for your children. I think especially in the time of the pandemic, you have to be more intentional and in not just being around your children because we are around our kids now in the home yep. and we may substitute that for quality time spent. It's yep. very different than intentional face-to-face yep. interaction. So I think yep. as it relates to juggling that, it's just being more intentional and paying attention to how am I spending my time and what I'm doing with that time. Yep. Yeah, there were several things that I I, I, I like you know, I like to respond to. Like so, like we'll start with the, the calendar thing. You know, you, you've heard me talk about all the time, but it's crazy how just writing something down gives it power, gives it permanence, gives it concreteness. And um, I think what you were tapping into when you were doing that, that, that daily planner was not only was it in your face every day of what I'm doing with my time, but when you actually see it there, you, it lets you realize how much time you're spending in every category. So you can be like, oh, wow, I'm way out of whack here. I need to be more, like said, more intentional about scheduling time with my family, my friends, um, uh, you know, my kids. Uh, so I think that, that that is, you know, super important as well. Um, and... I've often heard there's no better time manager than a mom. And I think that's true, just because you know that they, they, they're they're juggling so much more than like you know a father's are in many in many many cases. So um, you know having that planned out, it, it does become super important because uh, if you don't have those deadlines, not only are you going to fit stuff within the deadline, but it, it's super uh, easy not to be like, oh, sorry, I've got to quit this and go to this, right? So it forces mm-hmm. you to not only be to get everything done within a shorter period of time, which is part of time management and, and, and hitting goals, but it also um, forces you to stop and, and, and move to something else to get it done, right? Like, you, 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 you know, you're like, we can all, especially as creatives, just keep, keep making better, keep making better, keep making better. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's, appreciably enough better to where you shouldn't have stopped three hours ago on it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think that, I think that those are super you know important for people to realize. And I think that, I think you did tap into intuitively. And I also think that you're now you're talking about, and this is something we all get better at as we get older, as we're along this growth journey of, you know, you're intentional about making sure everything's working together toward an ultimate goal. Right. Um, and, and I think that's super powerful because, you know, you're talking about in many ways it's more difficult with as kids get older because, you know, they, they kind of live their own lives and, you know, you're, you're not structuring it, it as much and it makes it less predictable. Well, part of, you know, working everything together is, you know, maybe you do bring your kids along for, for a business part. So they learn what it's like to, like what adults talk about, what adults talk like you know, what kind of work goes into meeting people, you know, meeting people correctly, be applied, right? I mean, that's as much of a quality time because it, you're intentional about showing kids how to be adults, how to be proper adults, how to be professional adults, right? And, and that's, that's, that is an important part of um, raising children as, you know, quality time spent with that kid one-on-one talking about whatever that kid wants to talk about, right, which is also super important. So um, I, I think, you know, you, you – you were doing all that kind of stuff, like I said, maybe not intentionally at the time, but I think as you got older and more experienced, you did make it intentional. And um, no, that, that 
that's what it's all about. It's learning, growing, evolving, and then figuring out what works for you, right? And then um, you were, the last thing you were talking about that was not related to the calendar, what was the last point? There was something else that I thought was really – I can't remember now. But, um, yeah. I, I, I was talking it, about the environment, like the social – like just being intentional about who wants any time with what I'm doing, but then also making that interactive time with the kids. Yep. Yep. I, I kind of want to talk about that, but there was something else. But yeah, no. So, um, uh, yeah, that's just kind of my, you know, non-parental kind of what I've, what I've learned, um, as far as, uh, why that kind of stuff works. Oh, I, uh-huh. you were talking about time with, you know, cause of COVID and stuff, right. And, and you're right, you know, quality time, like we, we do think time, more time together is quality. And I agree with you. It's not right. Like this kind of goes back to like you're talking about intentionally making you know like trips with your daughter, right? Um, that, that's very different because you know you're spending time together. You, in many ways, talking about things that allow them to open up to where they get to learn more about you, or you get to learn more about them, or they get to question things and get your opinions while they're forming their own opinions, right? And, and you get to see the more real them, the more raw them that are going to be around their siblings because, you know, there's as much of a family dynamic that affects behavior as there's, you know, individual dynamics that affect behavior, right? And, you know, when they're in the family group, I, I remember being young, like real little, and my sister being in the back seat, having to raise her hand in the back car to talk because I talk a lot. And my, <laughs> and my mom would be like, what is it, Amber? And she'd be like, I forgot. I don't think she ever had anything to say. I think she just wanted to be heard, right? And that was the only way she'd get a word in edgewise. And so that, like, that's a family dynamic that, you know, if I'm out of the equation, it doesn't happen to my mom and sister, right? So, um, yeah, I, th- I, think that's a, I think that's a big part of it, too, with COVID, is, is being intentional about spending quality time with your kids individually versus with a group. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think this would be a good chance to transition or a good time to transition into how the heck do we beat burnout better yet avoid burnout and, 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 you know, what are those signs? And so I'd love to shift to some real raw stories of burnout. If you Mm -hmm. have it, um, I know I have some, or at least getting to the point of burnout and figuring out, you know, how to pivot (laughs) real quick. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about that, because I feel that especially now um, in this COVID time that more and more people are dealing with burnout, stress, anxiety, Mm -hmm. depression, and not really knowing how to catch those signs before it gets, you know, very severe and or how to avoid it altogether. So first, I'd love to hear your perspective of burnout. What do you think it is? And then if you personally have experienced burnout, yes, no, and and why? Yeah, no, burnout is essentially the fact that you never have – you never – you never step away from what you're doing, whether it's family, whether it's work, because it can come from either one and, and take time for yourself, right? 
you're always on, which is why you get burned out because you never have that downtime to to recharge intellectually, uh, physically, and emotionally. Like they're all three, even spiritually. They're all four super important that you need that time alone to 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 not have to be on, to not have to be funny, charming, engaging, right, whatever, and and, and just. Kind of almost sit in your own silence and just heal is what I used to always call it. Which you know, heal, recharge, the same thing. So that, that and you know, that's why a burnout's been a big thing for a long time. But COVID just amplified it because work, family, home, we're all obviously in the same place, right? Like, 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 where are you going to go to get away from work when you're working from home? Where are you going to go to get away from your, your your kids, your spouse when you're working from home? And and mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, it, it really becomes, you have to be intentional. And intentional is great, but you have to be like consistent in re and enforcing this too, which is scheduling that time to, to do whatever you need to do to recharge, whether it's read, whether it's meditate, whether it's, you know, exercise, um, whether it's to sit alone in a dark room, be quiet, whatever you need to recharge, um, that, you just have to be intentional about it for burnout. Um, have I ever suffered from burnout? I have not. Um, but I think it's because, you know, I, I got sick and almost died at 11 years old. And so I, I think I just randomly realized at a super young age, there's a whole hell of a lot more to life than work. And so work has never been my number one priority. It just, it just hasn't been. Um, I, I love work. I love being great at what I do, but I'm so much more than what I do. And as a result, you know, I, I get tired of something or, or I, I'm, I just don't have a hard time of really protecting my time. I've always like, I, I, I don't work on weekends, right? You know, I try to, I pretty much quit at a certain time of day. I, I just really protect my time. Um, that's also e- easier being a single male. Like if I was married with kids, this conversation in some ways would be very different. And in some ways I would still have to protect my time. I be, would be protecting it for myself, but then I would also be protecting time for the, you know, spend time with the spouse or kids as well, right? So it, it would just pivot a little bit. But um, so I've never suffered it, and that's why, because my perspective has been different, because uh, Americans are so proud of, you know, working 18 hours a day, you know, going on four hours of sleep. I mean, we just pride ourselves on that. And, um, you know, that that just sets up the perfect recipe for people to get burned out. Yeah, no, I agree. And so interesting that you have that unique perspective and you had it at such a young age. What am I? Yeah, because I don't come from parents like that, trust me. Yeah, I would say one of my favorite books is The 4-Hour Workweek. I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, you can work in four hours a week and that's it and still make money? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was so all over that book so I was many too. years ago it when it came myth, out. But I was too. <laughs> it's actually still on my bookshelf. I'm looking at it right now. Um, and yes, how Tim Ferriss did it. He was way ahead of the curve and used internet to his advantage and remote working to his advantage way before it was a, you know, yeah. a thing, and mm-hmm. um, he capitalized on it. But yeah. I would say that was something that always, for me, lifestyle and living, um, yeah. it was always the thing that motivated me and drove me. But I think that also that desire to have that lifestyle that you want can 
easily lead you down the road of burnout because you're so fixed and focused on that goal that Absolutely. you forget that it's truly a journey and then you end up on this sort of, I don't know, like this, some of us call it the rat race or the hamster wheel yeah, hamster or whatever wheel. it is. Mm, hamster wheel. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting going back to your point of your perspective. Mm-hmm. And once you, once you, when things are put into, when you sort of step away right from this bubble that most of us are in, you kind of step outside it and you look at it from that perspective of, whoa, this is not such a big deal. Why am I taking this so seriously? Yep. Why am I you know, running myself into the ground? Why am I so angry? Why this? Why that? When you step mm-hmm. outside the bubble and really observe your actions, your emotions, how you're mm-hmm. spending your time, who you're spending it with from this sort of mm-hmm. third-person perspective, it really does bring a lot of clarity. When you get to a point of life or death yeah. and you yep. resort yep. your priorities, it really yeah, gives you a broader at your, perspective. At your bedside, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I like to, when I'm mentoring students, I like to say, um, and if they're working working with me on particular projects, and I'm very particular, I, I really stress quality, paying attention to the details, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, whatever it is, a high level of, out, you know, high-quality yeah. output, but at the same time, I say, listen, <laughs> right? We are not performing brain surgery right now. Let's, and I use that because um, I've been around medicine most of my life, and yep. I'd like to get it helps sort of kind of shock people into perspective. Yep. You know, when yes, you're working on this project. You may be working on something creative or not, and someone's life is not on the line. So when you just step away from I'm not going to beat my head my head against the wall if I don't get this right, if I, don't, if I make a mistake. And, you know, you're able to let go a little bit and not be so fearful. And you're, and you're kind of moving forward, taking more chances, you know, developing that, self, that self-confidence that's needed to make more decisions on your own and, you know, more creative decisions on your own. And it just sort of gives a little bit of that freedom and flexibility when you just say, let's just put this in perspective. Yes, there's a job that needs to be done. And it should be done well, but it's not life-threatening. So, like, just don't take it too seriously. Like, give your best self without the detriment of your health, basically. And, and that's much easier to do because you're the boss. That's much harder yeah, to do but when your boss is putting those deadlines on you. That's true. And, that's you know, very it true. It doesn't have those type of, you know, reasonable expectations. That's a good point. And I've had, I've worked with, (laughs) I've worked with some of those and it absolutely does affect your, your health, your sense of self, Mm -hmm. your physical health. Mm -hmm. A lot of times your physical health is a reflection of your mental health. And, you know, how do you, what what are the thoughts that are going through your head about yourself, you know, and and others and your, and your activities and things like that and actions. And so I do think it's so important to kind of check in with that, and if you are in an environment like that, if it's toxic, because again, we were mentioning earlier about being intentional with the environment you put yourself in, if that yeah. environment is toxic, you have to ask yourself, is it worth your health? Yeah. Because we do not know what that physical expression is going to look like from that toxic space you're in. 
You know, so for example, if we're eating food that is toxic, we're going to say, oh, we're either going to throw up. Um, I don't know. We may not be able to get in, get out of bed in the morning. Maybe there's, we're going to have severe body aches. You know, there is, we expect a reaction, a physical reaction from food that may be spoiled or not good for us, right? Like too much sugar, too many chemicals, whatever. But how many times do we kind of stop and ask ourselves, is this environment toxic? And what is that expression going to look like? Is it going to look like... Yeah, and it's super hard to do because it's not as direct, right? Like, you know, you eat bad food, you throw up, you know what the cause is. You know, you 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 start start a job and, and or you know boss changes or whatever, and the environment becomes stressful. But stress takes a little while to build up, build up. So you know, like it, it makes it much harder for people to pinpoint what's truly causing their health issues. Is it diet? Is it work stress? Is it family stress? You know, um, and, and and you know again, Americans are kind of like, oh, suck it up, buttercup, right? And so we, we have a really hard time admitting that. You know, this job sucks. This environment sucks. I need to go do something that's better for me because, unfortunately, a lot of times what's better for you in many ways is less pay because it's fewer hours. Not always, but unfortunately, many times it is. And then you start feeling guilty because, oh, I'm now harming my family. I'm being selfish. Kind of what we were talking about, you know, a couple weeks ago with with moms. I'm being selfish because I'm worried about my health, and now my family is going to suffer financially. And, and you know, so it, it's it's a it's a complicated issue because it doesn't it, like there's so many different causes, so many different things, and it's such a vicious cycle that it's really hard to say, oh, do this one thing, right? You just have to figure out what's best with, for you. And I think one of the other important things to realize is I don't care what decision you're making, every decision has consequences. And the question then That's becomes, right. can you do? Can you? Are you willing to accept the consequences of the decision that you're getting ready to make? Mm. And like that becomes because like I said, every decision has consequences. And so that's what boils down to. And the answer is yes, then do it. If the answer is no, then you're going to find you're going to either ask a different question or find a different solution. I love that. I love that. And it's so simple. Every decision has consequences. Do I want it overcomplicate life? Have you not noticed that? Because if shit's yeah. complicated, you can sell a solution. When That's right. simple, like, who's going to pay for it? Yeah. Mm, that's interesting. And I love how yeah. simple that is because I think a lot of people would say, oh, I'm in this situation and I don't have a choice and I have to yep. do this for that. Okay. Well, know that if you stay in this situation, there are consequences. Mm-hmm. Go through those consequences and then ask yourself again, am I willing and ready for those consequences? And that's a choice yep. too, right? Because I think yep. a lot of times we feel that we're sort of paralyzed of um, moving one way or another because we feel like we don't have a choice, that this is this circumstance yep. is beyond me. I don't know how I got here or these circumstances led me here and they were out of my control and this is out of my control and at the very least, you can say, I could stay in this chair or I could walk out the door. They both have yep. consequences. Which yep. of the two would I rather deal with? And I think yep. we, you know, going past that, what's the consequence in the next hour versus the next versus a month from now, am I ready for that too? You know, mm-hmm. so I think that really helps. And I think that it's so important for our listeners to know that, 
you always have a choice. Staying still is a choice. Doing nothing yep. is a choice. Yep. Getting up and moving is a choice. Walking out that door is a choice. Hanging up the phone is a choice. Saying no is a choice. Saying nothing is a choice. You always have a choice. But I love Ryan's you know, point about from that choice, and the choice is, I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to say nothing. I'm going to stay still. Whatever it is, what are those consequences? Mm-hmm. Do you like how that feels? I go back That's to fear because we say, okay, do I, can I deal with this consequence? Our gut reaction, you know, to something is either it just feels good or it doesn't. If someone offers you, I don't know, a $100 bill versus a spoiled apple, it either feels good or it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so going back to how does it feel? How does that consequence feel, you know, based on the choice that you're making right now? And that's powerful. And I think it's something that we should be telling our children because it's easy to say, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And then the child uh-huh. says, I'm going to do it just because he told me not to. Uh-huh. <laughs> you could say, okay, uh-huh. let's look at the choices or a couple of choices and let's look at the consequences. Uh-huh. How do those consequences feel? Let that guide you because, you know, we're not always going to be around your children um, when they have those, you know, experiences that they're deciding between. But going back to ourselves, I think that it's so important for us to do that mental check-in, you know, and Mm -hmm. because that can really help prevent getting to the point of burnout. So my turn, I'm going to share a personal story of burnout or almost burnout and this is fresh and so um i have a lot of stories (laughs) of how i pivoted which i think is why a reason why i decided to um you know put this in the book in terms of how can we beat burnout because a lot of us do um face it and it takes that moment for us to pivot and again start being intentional so Uh just recently as as our listeners know, that have been following us on this journey, have been following me um, on my personal journey, that I've recently released a book called Unleash Your Supernova. Mm-hmm. And the launch date uh, happened March 16th. And so I received the word that I um, had a contract, a publisher, a publishing deal, and I believe it was May of last year. So... We're looking at, what, eight, nine months of mental preparation towards this launch. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I had been envisioning even before I got the book deal. So I had the idea of a book, this book, in 2017. It took years to bring to life. And then once it was written, it then took time to get the yes from an agent, time to get the yes from a publisher. So I've been on this mental journey for quite a bit of time. And then the shotgun went off. You know, when you're, I, I used to do tracks. So I'm thinking of when you're at, you know, you're about to do that. Starting event. pistol. Starting the pistol. Starting Our pistol. Shotgun. Thank it's you, a Ryan. shotgun wedding <laughs> and it's a starting pistol. The starting <laughs> pistol went off. But now, unless you went to a hillbilly school, maybe it was a shotgun. Hey, listen, maybe. So, no, no, I didn't actually. So, anyway, um, going back to my track days, that starting pistol went off, and and it was game on. The sprint 
you know, started. And so I've been on this sprint. And for those of us who have ran track, who've run the 200 or the 100 or even the 400, it is an intense sprint. So the energy that you need to, you know, Uh create and expel to have a competitive time is is tremendous. So uh, anyway, I'm on this sprint. March 16th happened. Now it's the week of launch. And in my mind, I have a reserve for that week. And Uh at the end of that week, I hit a wall. Like a, like uh-huh. I physically just did not want to do <laughs> yeah, look at done. emails, uh-huh. you know, open requests for interviews. I, I didn't want to be online. I didn't want to be on social. But this is literally day eight of launch of my book that I've been working on for so many years and I'm looking forward to for so long, prepare, preparing for months. But I had just enough energy to cross the finish line, which was March 16th. And when you yeah. have that little sort of putt, 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 That took me to the end of the week. And I recognized that it was time for me to just pull back. Because the creative output that the well had run, not dry, but it was running really low. And I had to pull back to recharge, to re-energize, to refill. And so I did. And it took about a week and a half. And just to take a mental break just to create space uh-huh. between the project uh-huh. and myself. And during that time, I was creating again and coming up with ideas and being re-inspired because now it's a new phase of this project. But yep. I needed to do that, slow down, pause, take a break, refocus, like just literally turn my attention to something else and come back stronger than ever. So, like, I am revved up. I remember last Friday um, on our last show, we were talking, and I was like, yes, I am ready. Let's go. Like, I was mm-hmm. hard. And <laughs> but I needed that. I needed that space. And I intuitively do that now. Like, I physically start resisting these day-to-day activities that I'm so used to that I may look forward to. And that's my body saying, uh-uh, time to pause, time to recharge, time to reflect, you know, and slow down. So I physically do that now um, where I don't, you know, I think that if I just kept going, 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 I would have burnt out. And we would be having a different conversation right now. So I do think it's be, so yeah. important to look for those physical cues and mental cues it, to slow it, down. I agree. And, and what you kind of tapped in intuitively is something that I think a lot of us don't realize is, you know, everything is cyclical with, you know, in life, whether it, you know, it's, it's the seasons or you know, all the way down to like, you know, uh, human thoughts, emotions, and, and energy, right? And, and you know, because you, by, by, you, you set that finish line and your body was prepared for that. And, and once you were done, you know, like, your body's like, oh, I'm done. Like, I need, like, I've done what I was set out to do. I need to heal. And so the importance that I'm getting ready to make as far as, like, the point I'm getting ready to make as far as the cyclical part is, Knowing that that's the way it works, embracing it, and, and not viewing downtime as laziness in the situation, but viewing it almost like active recovery. It goes back to the analogy of an athlete. You know, it's, mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. it's you're actively allowing your body to to heal, from, like as far as like you know from the, from the energy expenditure, but also from the focus, like. 
focus kind of hampers creativity sometimes. And so you kind of have mm-hmm. to like let your brain relax. So not only can it heal, but it can start making those random connections that we define as creativity, right? Um, and that only happens when you're not focused like really hard, like hard on, on a, a, a specific thought, deadline, goal, whatever, right? And, um, no, so viewing it more like, again, like active recovery, like a purposeful part of the, you know, in this example, the creative cycle, um, or just, you know, from the, uh, cycle of setting the goal, accomplishing a goal. And, you know, part of it is, is, is healing, resting. Um, I think it makes it easier for people to accept that I'm not being lazy. I'm not, not being productive. I'm really allowing my, I'm really setting myself up for my next cycle of productivity. And I think that's something you kind of tapped into. But I think it's important for people to know that that's how that really truly works, and it's okay, and that they should embrace it that way versus feeling like they must immediately um, find the next task in order to feel like a productive member of society. Yeah, no, I love those points that you made. And I want to take this moment because I want to dive into some specific tips on how to beat burnout beyond what we've already shared with our listeners. I want to take this moment to recognize our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pink Kangaroo. Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network is a home for wild thinkers. If you are a host and you are looking for guidance, support, or strategy on how to launch, grow, or monetize your show, definitely check out the Pink Kangaroo Network. If you are a listener and looking for a home for shows to inspire you, educate you, and entertain you, definitely check out pinkkangaroo.com. And that's kangaroo with a U. And again, it's a home for wild thinkers. Pink Kangaroo loves helping hosts bring their stories to life. That's from our sponsor, Pink Kangaroo. So going back to beating burnout, we've heard from Ryan, and if you're just tuning in now, I'm just going to give a little bit of a recap. Ryan had a life-threatening disease at age 11, which took away his sight. So he came close to that moment of life or death, which shifted his perspective of life. So he grew up with this really amazing viewpoint of how to look at life and how to look at work and putting that into perspective. A lot of us are either on the hamster wheel or in the midst of the rat race, and we haven't taken that time to step outside the bubble and put things in perspective or recognize when it's time for our bodies and minds to slow down, pause, take a break, or pivot. And this can lead to stress, anxiety, depression, and or worse. And so as those of you who've gotten to know me, you know that I have a master's in clinical psychology. I really believe in the power of using for a variety of tools to assist us in a positive state of mind and and well-being and mental health. And so it's so important for us to recognize these moments of approaching burnout. But what do we do, right? Because 
we're mothers, we're fathers, we're bosses, we're, we're team members, we're staff members, we're employees, you know, we're brothers, we're uncles, we're aunts. We have all these responsibilities. What do we do to recognize and or beat burnout? So let's look at some tips that are in the book, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. Um, there, as you know, 101 tips in increasing creativity and beating burnout. There's actually more than that, but you're going to definitely get at least over 100. But let's just look at a, a few of these for a moment before we go to um, our last segment of the show where we take a question or two from our listeners. So this thing jumps out at this one tip jumps out at me, Ryan. I'd love to uh, know your thoughts, and I think we maybe have touched on it a little bit. Reset your standards, at least temporarily. As creatives, we are renowned for setting high standards for our work. Achieving creative perfection is difficult enough on its own, but coupled with looming deadlines, professional peer pressure, and other strains, it's simply impossible to always produce perfect creative work. So step back, recharge, and accept that the standard of work you produce will have to be a little lower than usual, which is better than not being able to produce anything at all. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, you know, part of it is, uh, I agree with the reset as far as like you had the word perfect in there. Um, perfect's an illusion. Like that's, the, I think that's the first thing people should realize. Uh, it's a word we use, a word we like to throw around, makes us feel good about ourselves, but perfect's an illusion. Um, because, you know, even if you do something perfectly, in any way, that's, that's I as a beholder. Um, so I think knowing that and realizing that is, is important because it removes a tremendous amount of self-imposed pressure uh, that allows you, you know, to be more creative and it just frees you up in many ways. As far as lower your standard, you know, I, maybe, maybe not. I, I think I would go with redefine it from the standpoint of, you know, uh, redefine what you think great or acceptable work for you to produce is, uh, which is, is different from perfect. Um, I think that's important. And I also think, you know, establishing deadlines would help. Like, I'm going to do the absolute best project that I can do by this date. Once this date is done, it's done, and we move on to the next thing, right? Um, because like I mentioned earlier in the show, as creatives, we can always go back and do what we think is improving right um this is who we are right uh but that doesn't make that doesn't mean it really is better it's just different and i think again realizing that's important so i think those like creating those deadlines i would probably do before i lowered my standard of quality of work if that makes sense yeah and and i wouldn't say quality um more so maybe quantity and yes, I guess for some people it may be quality. So I find, at least in the space of entrepreneurs and or creatives, there is this level of perfection or this of higher standard of what can be achieved within a certain yep. amount of time. And yep. if you are bent on putting out 100 pieces of creative content a day, and that is your goal, and this is what you should be doing, and you've done it for three weeks straight, and you're starting to feel a little run down, well, maybe cut that in half and, and know that that's okay because when you completely get to zero, guess what? 
you're going to have zero pieces of content that you're putting out. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah, it's better yeah. to have 50 pieces versus zero, you know, right. in, in the middle of burnout. So it's a matter of resetting your standards to endure the journey. And I think that's what this is all about that we keep bringing up in each episode is that this yeah. is life a is a journey. It's a marathon. It's a journey. Yeah. It's how can you enjoy each day of this journey? And if it's not enjoyable, then let's reassess, let's reflect. You know, maybe it is just as simple as resetting what you've created as your standards. That's typically self-imposed. And so um, I'm very much, Ryan is the same, we're very much quality over quantity. Like that's our thing, you know? And so letting go of anything less than what we feel is our highest quality of work is something that's very difficult for us. But sometimes our, what we consider our highest quality is 10 times more what someone else would consider quality work. So all I'm saying is reset for the sake of your health. Because at the end of the day, if you're not healthy, if you don't feel good, if you're sad, if you're moping, you know, you're not going to be productive anyway. So I think that was um, a tip that really jumped out at me. Another Uh tip that I thought this was really, you know, kind of, it could be fun actually is, Go big. This is tip number 17. Complete opposite um, of reset your standard, but go ahead. This is opposite, yeah. So listen, listen to this. Go big. This is in the book, guys. Think of the wildest, biggest idea without worrying about cost or practicality. Then work back until it becomes feasible. Once you've thought of crazy ideas, what you can achieve seems much more doable. So... It's sort of like go super big on something. Like, I don't know, Uh you know, and then work backwards to something that is, you know, more doable today. And then what you're doing today doesn't seem so overwhelming, right? And again, it helps change your perspective. Yeah, it's the contrast. I also think, you know, with the working big part, if you if you do it correctly, I think you tap into what you're passionate about. Uh, what and you know, passion really helps motivate people and allows them to to to, to deal with those those difficult times. And um, also, when you're working towards something that is that much bigger than yourself, it also it goes back to your, your standard. It redefines. It, it, it redefines the importance of the work, and it allows things to to have more meaning, um, which makes the work not only more enjoyable but uh, easier to accomplish. Right, because you're working towards something more important, bigger than you. And um, whenever people have purpose, they just—it's so much easier for us to go that extra mile, right? To go beyond, um, because, you know, we're, we're, we're a species that is built on community and, you know, helping the community survive, it helps the species survive, right? So, and I think that's what it kind of taps in in a lot of ways. I agree. I agree. And one of the 
other tips that jump out at me. Again, there's many, but um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, Ryan. It's career and lifestyle. How long have you been doing what you're doing? Do you expect to do it forever? Perhaps you need bigger changes in your life. A new city, a new company, or a new hobby might be the only way to move your life forward. That's so interesting because what that what, what that is what one of these what that really requires, like you said, is like the attention, intentionally stepping back and evaluating your life, what is currently like, what's important to you, and is what you're currently is the life you're currently living matching up with what's what's truly important to you, and that's been one of the things that's come about as a result of COVID. You know, people working from home, and, and it give, it's not only given them a different experience, but it's really given them that time to step back and go. You know, was working 80 hours a week, 60, really the life I wanted to live. Yeah, the money's great, but what was I doing with it? Like, I, I wouldn't see my family. I wouldn't see my friends. I'm prematurely graying. You know, I've gained 50 pounds. Like, whatever the situation may be. And it's really allowed them and caused them to reassess. And, and you know, the fact that we now have, many of us who live or work white-collar jobs have more flexibility in this fact that we can work from home. You know, I can go now live in Nashville versus San Francisco, still have an amazing quality of life for a whole hell of a lot cheaper, and then, then, you know, do things that I want to do that um, not only rejuvenate me, but nourish me. Nourish me intellectually, nourish me uh, physically, nourish me, you know, uh, personally, right, relationship-wise. And um, it's funny that you say that because I think that's, that's been a big unforeseen result of COVID is it really caused people to reassess what was truly important to them. Yes. Yes. Uh, so many things have come out of this year, right? Cause this is actually mm-hmm. over a year now. It's over a year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so many things. And I think it's, it's really, really important to look at the positive things as it relates to ourselves and say, did this, or is this a moment to reflect? And I personally know so many people who have shared that they've taken this time to reflect, reassess, pivot, change. And it's exciting. It's exciting. And sometimes it takes really dark moments for us to make those drastic changes in our lives. And it's exciting to see their attitude change, their mm-hmm. emotions like live, a whole person. and mm-hmm. yeah, this new adventure that they're looking at life as. Like, whoa, this yeah. is something that's exciting. And um, yeah, I, I could talk about this topic of beating burnout all day long, <laughs> yeah. um, because there's been many times where I've recognized when it was time to shift, change, pivot, slow down, pause in my life and may have been due to juggling, you know, career and motherhood, uh, my desires as an entrepreneur and a creative, you know, my, my, you know, whatever vision I had as the role of a wife, mother and designer, you know, there's so many times where I've had to sort of what they call it, the weeble wobble, you know, that toy where the weeble mm-hmm, wobble don't mm-hmm. fall down. There's so many mm-hmm. times where I've had to sort of just bend just enough to come back up. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think this is a great topic. I definitely want to 
dive into this more as we do future episodes. And But I also want us to, of course, answer a question from our listeners. This is our last segment of the show, guys. So you know we got to fit this in. So this question is for the both of us, Ryan. It is, as an entrepreneur, what is your greatest fear and how do you manage it? Oh, shit. Um, this is my greatest fear as an entrepreneur. This is my greatest fear as a person. Um, I have a desire to be great at what I do and to be a great person. My greatest fear is not, is not reaching great. And, and great's one of those things that like, you know, in many ways it's a never ending journey because you just kind of reset that, that definition, that standard. Um, so I guess it's, it's not doing the things that I think I need to do to continually be on that path of progress toward greatness, you know, whatever, whatever that may be, um, at which greatness could also be redefined and probably more appropriately defined in a professional context uh, as significant. I want to do things that make significant changes uh, in the world, whether it's world of business, whether it's world of my, my, my family, my friends. Um, my my community, right? I, so I, I want to do things that are significant to the world, and my greatest fear is not doing that. Yeah, I can see why we get along so well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's quite a different answer than what most people would have given, but that that that's quite my greatest fear. Yeah, no, I relate to that so much, and you know, as you were answering the question, and as I was reading the question, I was also trying to think about what is my greatest fear as an entrepreneur? And to be honest, I never, I didn't call myself an entrepreneur all my life. I didn't even, I wasn't even in my, um, I don't know, vocabulary as a, as, as a child, as a yeah. you know, teenager. It's kind of last 15 um, years term, you know? So like yeah. my dad, he, he was a, you know, a business owner. He was self-employed. He mm -hmm. wasn't an entrepreneur. You know, it, that was kind of a tech error word, I think, when that became trendy. Yeah, absolutely. And so I just had goals. I yeah. wanted to help people. And then that shifted from, you know, psychology and medicine to fashion. And then I wanted to make an impact on the history of fashion. And then I, that, um, grew into launching a platform to help creative individuals that wanted to turn their passions into their livelihood. And so it was always this thing. And then, of course, Entrepreneur got layered onto it as I was diving deeper into Rain Magazine. But I would say my fear has always been around failing. And I think it was more in the eyes of others. And... I was always a high achiever from sports to academics, and I felt that, you know, there's a standard I always held myself to, and I didn't want to let other people down. Like, I felt that I yeah. had this weight on my shoulders to help so many people, and if I failed at this task, I'd never get to the next goal or the next achievement, you know, and, and I'd fail. And I think what I've learned, going back to the second part of that question, is how do you manage it? what I've learned that there's really no such thing as failing. <laughs> it's just yeah. you're learning what doesn't work. And it's really cool and exciting 
to learn what doesn't work because it takes you closer to what does. And I love games. I love puzzles. I love problem solving. So for me, it's like, ooh, this is a problem. What is the solution? So I, I just change the direction of my thoughts to something that I find fun again. You know, how do you win this game? And seeing life as more of a game, seeing these projects or tasks as more as like strategy and, you know, how do you, again, how do you get to the finish line the fastest <laughs> with the, with the, you know, best results, right? So um, yep. I've just changed my perspective and failure isn't, it's, I don't even really talk about failure. Um, I talk about problem, problem solving and going further. I talk about solutions. So for me, it's about finding solutions that work. And these are just challenges that are, you're confronted with to find the best solution. So yep. I think that's all the time we have for today. Um, it was such, such a pleasure talking with you again, Ryan, sharing this platform, helping, as always. you know, bring just more guidance to our listeners as it relates to unleashing your supernova. So again, thank you for joining us for another episode. Tune in next week as we share words of wisdom around tapping into your limitless potential, releasing that inner brilliance that we all have. And so again, join us for another episode of Unleash Your Supernova. If you can't catch the live show, definitely check out the podcast available on all platforms. Again, this was brought to you by the Pink Kangaroo Network, and that's Kangaroo for you guys. Until next time, bye. Have a great week, everybody.